Welcome in to another edition of the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Crimson Tide news and information. I'm your host, Tyler Martin. Joined with me is football beat writer for BamaCentral.com, Joey Blackwell. Joey, it felt good seeing you in Atlanta over the weekend, man. It was it was good to you know be back in a full stadium, something we missed desperately last year. And, and obviously the Tide, man, they look like they were in midseason form. Yeah, absolutely they did. And uh, just so our listeners know, uh, Tyler's a little hoarse today. It wasn't from screaming in the press box with me, but from another event he went to this weekend. But hope your voice gets to feeling better. <laughs> but, yeah, it was uh, it was great to be back and uh, great to be in, of course, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, always a great place to watch a football game and to cover a game. And, um, of course, the Tide rolled in Miami, so I'll let you recap it real quick. Yeah, no, I, I was in Nashville for the World Cup qualifying match watching the U.S. draw with Canada. Um, exciting. We sat near the American Outlaws. So, yeah, just got, kind of forgive me on, on the voice a little bit, kind of being a little hoarse <laughs> at the moment. But, yeah, Joey, I don't want to spend too much on the game itself just because it happened, you know, so many days ago. But Bryce Young, wow. We've really got to start talking about this kid as a Heisman contender, right? I mean, after week one, not many people in the country really stood above him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he proved a lot of people wrong, including myself, you know, about people that had had their doubts and reservations. You know, of course, he didn't have the most impressive A day. It wasn't a bad performance, but it wasn't a great one. And of course, being limited and being able to see him, see him in practice, we weren't really sure how he was gelling and meshing with the wide receivers and that whole offense as a whole. But, you know, Edwin Stanton wrote a very good article for us at Bama Central about how um, this offense really came out and really looked in midseason form. And and that perfectly describes how Bryce Young looked out there. He looked like he'd been leading this team for two seasons now, and it was nothing new to him. So an incredible job by him, incredible performance. And, you know, we expect another big weekend out of him from at Mercer, of course, and then really looking forward to seeing how he plays against tougher defenses like A&M and uh, Florida down the road. Yeah, just look at it real quick, Joey. The other Heisman Trophy contenders, Spencer Rattler, right? The guy who everybody was presuming, okay, he's he's going to bounce back from a rocky year last year with the Sooners. They almost get upset by Tulane. He throws two interceptions. The other guy a lot of people were pointing at was Sam Howell of North Carolina. What did he do on the road against Virginia Tech? He threw three interceptions. So when you're looking at it right now and, and you're assessing everything after week one, and I think that uh, Caesars out in Vegas, they've already got Bryce Young with the best odds to win the Heisman Trophy. And, and, and you think about it, right? Tua in 2018, the great season he had. And then Mac Jones comes comes around in, at the end of 2019, 2020, and just delivers the best single season in college history. And then Bryce Young in his first game throws the most passing touchdowns in an Alabama quarterback's first ever start. I mean – it's just like it's just a factory right now at the position, something that years ago was not could not have been said about Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Alabama does have some storied quarterbacks in their past, but as far as consistently being good at the quarterback position, that's something that they've really struggled with over their entire history, really. Having back-to-back solid quarterbacks has been difficult, but you look at the past, you know, five, six years, you know, you think back to Jalen Hurts, and then you have two uh, Mac Jones, of course, in his one season. Now, it looks like Bryce Young is just it, – it's going to be the next – you know, the, just, just the next one in line, and that's something that Alabama fans aren't used to saying. But really it's kind of a, a, a spoils of riches over the past several um, rotations at quarterback. And, um, yeah, like you said, he broke two two records, most passing yards uh, for in, in a starting debut, and then, of course, the touchdowns as well. And 
Um, I know that I didn't expect for something like that to happen week one, but it looks like we, we got it anyways. So looking forward to seeing how he develops. And, you know, right now I want to talk about, you know, how, how he can mesh and, and improve with the wide receivers, but there really isn't, I mean, obviously there's always something you can improve on, but looking at him, you know, at face value from this past weekend, you don't really see much improvement as far as communication and meshing with the wide receivers. They were always on the same page. Very few miscommunications, you know, a couple of passes. There was that, ver- that very first uh, long ball um, he overthrew, uh, he um, underthrew, I think it was Jamison Williams, maybe that first it play. Tripped. Yeah, Jamison tripped on that play too. Yeah, exa- exactly. And then, of course, you have, uh, I believe that was, um, uh, there was the ball that hit, uh, was it Ajay Hall that hit him in the in the hands? But other than that, those weren't Bryce Jones. I think that was Hall. I, I could be mistaken. Um but the, the, you have those, neither of those were miscommunications. They were just, you know, uh, a bad result um, by a wide receiver and not Bryce Young's fault. So, like I said, they're all on the same page. They're gelling like we're already in week six or week seven. And it's going to be really exciting to see how they continue to improve from here because this past weekend showed it made you wonder how they could absolutely, how they could actually improve. <laughs> and you look at the schedule, Mercer's on deck this weekend. With the all-SEC schedule last year, it's like it's hard to get up for these games, and I can only imagine the players now. So I'm interested to see where their motive, like where where they're at maturity-wise in getting up for a game when you haven't played to play an opponent opponent like this in almost two years, right? Um, but in that Miami game too, Joey, Alabama lost a key contributor, and it's it's a big loss, and I don't think everybody's, you know, okay, Alabama recruits five stars, they do all this, but but the loss of Chris Allen with a foot fracture is a big deal. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, fortunately, the linebacker position is very deep, so they'll have, no doubt have some players step up. We saw um, we saw Drew Sanders came in and replaced Allen. He did a, a fantastic job. Um, but that doesn't take away from the talent that Chris Allen has. Um, they will miss him on off, um, on defense this year. He's a great player. Uh, you know, Brian Branch said it was very tough to lose him, you know, but moving forward. He, he talked about what I just said. You know, they have a lot of depth at the linebacker position, and Whoever comes, it just depends on if they can have the same intensity, which if the defense proved anything, if Drew Sanders proved anything this past weekend, they can come in and have the same intensity that Chris Allen had at the position. I, you know, I, I know Drew Sanders is going to get the start, but I think they're going to have to fill his role kind of by committee, right? I mean, we mentioned Drew Sanders. Chris Braswell is another guy who's ready to step up. The freshman Dallas Turner who got in at some points on Saturday. I think this is going to be a committee-type deal. No, I agree. And, and you know, that just goes back to the depth that they have and they'll be able to rotate and, and you know, kind of like to do it quarterback. And they don't they don't rebuild, they reload. And, they, you know, the next man up mentality, which is something we've actually heard um, from some defenders this, you know, during fall camp was, you know, they even said, you know, next man up. And that's exactly what we have here. Um, I know a lot of people were talking about next man up when it came to tight end with Chilo Billingsley this offseason. But now it seems to be the case under different circumstances at linebacker. So we know what Alabama is. Alabama looked like the most complete team and the the elite team coming out of week one. Around the SEC, though, Joey, you know, there were some slow starts, and then there were just some flat-out disappointments. Vanderbilt was a big disappointment losing to East Tennessee State. Uh, LSU losing to UCLA was a disappointment. Um, You kind of got to wonder now, I mean, what's going to happen with Coach O? But outside of Alabama, who impressed you inside the conference the most? You know, I think it was an uh, impressive showing by at least by half of Georgia. Georgia's defense was very impressive against T.J. Um and Clemson. 
Uh, unfortunately, JT Daniels did not impress, you know, only throwing 135 yards. And, you know, you can credit Clemson's defense to some extent, but Georgia's offense clearly wasn't firing on all, all cylinders. I know they rose up to number two today in the AP poll because of beating Clemson, but I think there's a huge gap in between number one and number two right now. I mean, you saw that with the first place votes, Alabama had all of them but one, and that other one was for Georgia. Uh, but, you know, a, a couple other teams that impressed me were Auburn's win over Akron. You know, Brian Harson had a really um, – and, and Bo Nix had really great um, a game against Akron. And I know it's Akron, but still, if you beat any team 60 to 10, that's pretty impressive, especially when – you consider that this is Harson's first year on the Plains. And then finally, South Carolina. South Carolina beating Eastern Illinois. I know, once again, all these cupcake teams, Eastern Illinois, but another debut for, you know, for another coach in, in Beamer. Um, you know, we were talking about our, when we were reflecting on SEC Media Days and our podcast after that, we talked about how Frank Beamer was probably the winner of SEC Media Days. And he really, you know, proved that he is serious about South Carolina football, and I think they did an incredible job against East Illinois this past weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. I liked what I saw from Shane Beamer, and, and you know, the talents. I mean, it, they're gonna it's gonna get harder week by week, right, in the SEC. But I did like the future, uh, and really just kind of the, the 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 trajectory of that program. Yeah, you know, I, just for me, um, I, with Georgia, the defense looked legit, right? The defense was incredible. Um, but, I mean, to me, just watching the offense again, you had those last four games with JT Daniels, and he was really good at the end of last year. And let's not disrespect Clemson's defense. Um, Clemson's defense, they have one of the best defensive lines in the country. But, man, you, you can tell in that game the Clemson deficiency was on their offensive line. I mean, they were just letting Georgia eat with seven sacks. I mean, DJ couldn't stay upright all game. Um, but, no, Georgia was impressive. I think Alabama won. Then there's a little bit of a gap. And then I've got Georgia, and then I'll throw AM in there, right? AM got to a slow start against Kent State. They really got it going in the second half. So um, I, I got to see more, though. And I'll see more against Colorado this coming weekend for Texas AM for me to really believe the hype. Um, they have some great skill players, but at the quarterback position, they've got to get it right if this is the year they're going to compete with Alabama. Um, but Joey, kind of circling back this week, you know, gearing up for Mercer. Um, you, you, you heard Coach Saban on Monday. You heard the players on Tuesday. What's kind of been your takeaway so far this week in preparation for a team, you know, that, that just beat, you know, I get it. It's an FCS, FCS opponent, but they just won their last game 69 to nothing. You know, talk, you know, so far with this week, you know, today we talked to both Henry Toto and Jameson Williams, of course, both the big offseason transfers to Alabama. You know, what they highlighted today was – course you know it's the first time we've had media availability with either of them you know during a practice week and so a lot of the discussion today was about you know their decisions to come to Alabama Jameson Williams talked a lot about you know how comfortable and how quickly he adjusted um, and how welcoming the wide receiver core was to him which we saw how welcoming they were I mean they uh, with how you know the team chemistry and how effectively they communicated with with Bryce Young on those routes but Going back to Henry Toto, you know, talking about how he um, had considered coming to Alabama back during the recruiting process. And, uh, of course, he chose there, and now he's here um, in, in Tuscaloosa. But going back, you know, to preparing for Mercer, um, you know, the, the, I think Nick Saban was talking about – he talked about it after the game against Miami. He was – you know, he seemed to be pleased overall with his performance of his offense and his defense, but he was a little – he used the word sloppy in the post-game press conference, talking about how they got sloppy later on. You know, they only scored, I believe, one offensive touchdown in the second half. 
Um, and so that was something that he they need to be to improve on, especially you know in the second string when you start rotating in those guys, and there needs to be better communication there so that the offense can continue to run effectively, even late into the game. So no doubt that's something they're going to be working on this week. Um, and then you know preparing for Mercer, you know right now the immediate need is to of course uh, replace Chris Allen, which we already talked about Drew Sanders a little bit there talking about how you know um, he could effectively take in but they also could use um, at that position a kind of a committee of sorts and then finally you know I actually did a cover story on it today you know talking about you know we're talking about we've been talking about depth all off season and you know there's no more depth on the team aside from maybe a linebacker than there is at running back this year and, and Trey Sanders and how he's I, I expect to see him have a lot more carries this weekend against Mercer after uh, really impressing in his first game back after you know pretty much uh, I think he rushed, he had 30 carries last year, so very limited numbers. And, uh, of course, he had the car wreck, and we've talked about him a lot in the offseason. But after impressing this past weekend, I expect to see him have a lot more carries and really excited to see what he can do as well this weekend. Yeah, really the two best moments in week one for me, Trey Sanders getting in the end zone after what all he's been through, his second touchdown. You know, he scored against last year at Mississippi State. Um, just being able to see him come back from that car wreck. And then Mackenzie Milton, the UCF transfer from Florida State who hadn't played in over three years. Um, those are the two best things I saw from week one. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you know, you look at really the offensive line for Alabama and you lose an Alex Leatherwood, you lose a Landon Dickerson. And then Chris Owens, you know, he was playing center. He's done it all at his time at Alabama. You know, he's taken advantage of the COVID year. But then you kick him out to right tackle, Darian Dalcourt at center. I mean, that offensive line, Joey, it looked like they didn't miss a beat. It didn't look like, you know, that 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 was the first time all five of those guys were starting together because you had J.D. and Cohen at left guard. You had Emil Ekior at right guard. And so you just you, – you, you weren't missing anything, right? And everybody going into that this, this, this first week, first couple of weeks, it's going to take some time, right, to find, to find the five best guys. And I look on Saturday and I'm like, Doug Marone, you know, the new offensive line coach, former Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, like they got it figured out pretty freaking early. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I expected to see a lot more rotation on the offensive line, and we didn't get that as much until later in the game when they were just trying to get guys some snaps and some experience in the game. Um, no, very impressive. Evan Neal looked as stout as ever. I've seen him actually, you know, be projected to be a top five pick in the next year's NFL draft. Um, a lot of impressive talent on the offensive line, um, really stout. You know, it seemed like it didn't help that when Bryce Young was flushed, he looked so poised when he was outside the pocket, always looking downfield, but he didn't really seem to be flushed that often. It seemed more often that he actually left the pocket under his own accord to get a better angle or to misdirect the corners or the linebackers than he was actually flushed out of the pocket. It was really just, you could tell there were two different teams because on the opposite end, you know, you had the deep Alabama defensive line just seemed like they rushed uh, Derek King every single play and, you know, we, we thought that Miami was going to have um, arguably the better offensive line between the two programs just because of the comparisons of experience. But um, Doug Marone's done, done an outstanding job this offseason and, um, and, and building up the offensive line despite the lack of experience. You know, you only have two starters, of course, coming back from last year. And um, looking forward to seeing it's kind of a similar situation with a lot of with a lot of units. You know, they performed so well this weekend. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really exciting to see how they can improve even further as the season rolls on. Because the schedule does Alabama no favors coming up. Obviously, Mercer 
uh, a lesser opponent to some extent. But then you're on the road at a top 10 Florida team. You've got Southern Miss. And then you start out October. You're at home against Ole Miss, who looked pretty darn good. Their defense looked improved against Louisville. And then you've got Texas A&M. So after Mercer, the three of the next four weeks are against, top, against three top 15 teams. Um, so Alabama's got to be ready. They, they just and, – and, and I don't think there's no reason for this, but, like, they just can't let anything in the preparation fall through the cracks coming up here. Because it would be easy for guys like Bryce Young and all these newcomers, right, who just, you know, shine on College Bowl's biggest stage to just throw this week away or to just kind of, you know, throw the neck, you know, and think, okay, well, we did this against a top 15 Miami team. Well, let's take a couple of days off, right? Um, they've got to stay sharp, and obviously Alabama will um, against Mercer. But you just look ahead to that schedule, and it does them no favors. No, it doesn't. It's only going to get tougher. And, you know, it's, it's a – it's a, I mean, it is – overall the schedule is easier than it is last year's because, you know, you have 12 games, but, you know, you have only eight SEC games compared to 10. Um, but no, the schedule doesn't the favors. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't help that probably their two toughest games on the schedule are both on the road this year um, in Texas A&M and Florida. Auburn's also on the road. And despite, you know, like we said before on this podcast, it doesn't matter how good Auburn is. It's always a tough game, especially down in Auburn. Um, but looking forward to seeing what they can do, you know, and and it's it's not going to get any easier. You know, Miami was it's all you know Miami was a good you know warm-up it's like okay you know they're probably out of well not even probably they're most definitely their most difficult non-conference game this year you know of course before the playoff if Alabama can make it which they will um and having that as a good warm-up you know as before you play a team like Mercer you can kind of gradually just kind of ease into the season Joey I'm gonna throw you a curveball as our final question before we get you out of here Oh, gosh. News broke today about Namari Burnett, talented Texas Tech transfer. Um, looks like, you know, he's going to have knee surgery. Uh, it's not confirmed that it's an ACL yet, but but there were rumors going on around about that. Um, man, you know what? It reminds me of two years ago, right, when James Rojas got hurt, right, in the middle of the season. Or, I'm sorry, before the season. And the Alabama was playing that year with so many injuries. Um, and then this offseason, James Rojas is out until at least January, February. Namari Burnett, one of the most talented players on the market, you go get him, and it's unlikely he plays this year. So, can Alabama catch any breaks, man? We forget also, you know, this that same year, that first year that Jawan Gary, that uh, James Rojas was hurt, Jawan Gary was also hurt that offseason. So, it's basically the same thing, Rojas twice, and then just change a forward out, and now it's Namari Burnett. So, you know, Alabama has been bit by the injury bug so much, you know, over the past three, four seasons, and, you know, it's – it seems like it's always a knee or something in the legs. And then during the season, it's always arm, wrist, something like that, you know, with John Petty and Herbert Jones and, and players like that. So it's very unfortunate, you know, especially with such a grueling non-conference schedule that Alabama has earlier, one of, if not the toughest non-conference schedules in the country. I mean, for Pete's sake, they play three of the final four teams from last year. Um, and it's going to, I mean, I think, I think with, I think should the, should the, um, evaluation he had today uh, prove that it needs surgery then that means Alabama will be down to I think 11 players um, heading into this season which I mean we saw what Alabama was able to do a couple of seasons ago with eight players on the roster but scholarship, um, scholarship players. yeah 11 scholarship yeah you know 11 guys that you expect to consistently see um, on the court um, and of course this team without Rojas and and Burnett they'll still be a solid team but in basketball, depth is a very huge portion of the game, and to not have that depth is 
we might see them get a little weary um, over the course of this difficult non-conference schedule. Hopefully not, but it will definitely have an impact should Burnett be out for the season. Look, and it even sucks even more when you hear about all the great things Nate Oates was saying about him, how he's coming in there, shooting the ball, lights out. He can defend really, really well. Um, and, and things were definitely rocky at Texas Tech, but, you know, he was kind of flourishing in, in, in the preseason practices from what from what I had heard. Um, so that's disappointing. Uh, we, we, I, I, I also forgot Alex Chiku last year. He got hurt before yeah. the sequel. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but it does help, you know, with the guards in the backcourt that you do have a Javon Quigley, you do have a J.D. Davidson, you do have Jaden Shackelford coming back. You do have so many guards you can roll, kind of roll out there. So they have the depth, I think. But the good – also, I mean, you can kind of look at everything happens for a reason, and, and there's good to every bad thing too. With, with Alabama's younger players getting tested, like newcomers like a, um, like a Noah Gurley um, and some other transfers, you just – you look at that non-conference schedule, that is preparing them to play their best basketball in March. So, um, yes, it's a grueling stretch. But NATO is going to have this team ready to go, and that kind of mentality of we'll play you wherever, whenever, whenever, um, is is never been truer than this year. Yeah, it hasn't. I mean, Alabama was, was is supposed to be better this year, so of course it'd be more true. And um, as I've said on this podcast before, I often get more excited about basketball season than I do, than I do football season, just because there's so much excitement and so much um, being built around the program. It's so fresh and and new and seeing all the excitement surrounding the program and hopefully it'll continue to grow. And hopefully that um, the news about, about Burnett isn't as bad as it seems to be right now. Um, hopefully we'll be able to see him back in SEC play. Um, but of course, only time will tell. Well, Joe, we appreciate you coming on here, buddy. Um, thanks again for your insight and uh, man, football's finally back. Basketball will be here before you know it. Um, and we appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tyler. Well, that's Joey Black, or I'm Tom Martin. This has been another edition of the All Things Bama Podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe.